The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and you'll see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. You can still watch that up until 3 o'clock this afternoon at which time he'll be live in that area, and uh, you got him for two hours, so it's uh, Saturday. You got him for two hours today. <laughs> and then on the right side is where we're streaming live. Just click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you've got, and in the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a rumble icon. Just click on that, 
and you can join us in the chat over there. We're streaming live on Rumble as well, uh, sonsoflibertyradio.com, or excuse me, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And then we're on beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. We're on dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty, Twitch at Setting Brush Fires. And if you've got a Roku device, we're on Cutting Edge TV over there, and we appreciate those guys carrying us as well. Uh, right under where we're streaming live, you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get that once a day. Uh, the articles that we put out at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then if you want our ministry email, which goes out on Saturdays once a week, uh, go over to sonsoflibertyradio.com and sign up for that. If you'd like to support us, there's a donate button at the top of the page. Uh, we don't just do radio. We don't just do internet. We are out among the people as well, uh, teaching our Christian constitutional heritage. So if you'd like to support that, uh, you believe that's a worthy, a worthwhile uh, cause, there's a donate button, one-time donations you can do with that. And also you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That also is at the top of the page. Our store is available, lots of products in there, things that you guys have asked for. And uh, they're great conversation starters as well as some equipping tools. Here's one of them that we're offering this week. This is Bradley's book, Grass Doesn't Work, The Rocks Do. It's normally a donation of $11 through tonight at midnight, Saturday at midnight. Um, if you use the promo code GRASS, you'll get 25% off the book. So if you've been looking to get that book, 25% off for using the promo code GRASS. And uh, that's through tonight at midnight. So jump on that as soon as you can. A couple of headlines that we've got from the website. Read these out real quick because we've, we've got a guest on with us along with Kate this morning. So <clears throat> how World War III starts. U.S. Intel assisted in the sinking of a Russian flagship vessel. Isn't that it, this whole fiasco that's going on over there, Ukraine and stuff, and how we're right in the middle of it. We just always stick our nose where it just doesn't belong. And uh, I don't know when we're going to learn the lesson. You know that old proverb, if you pick a dog up by its ears, you need to let him go because <laughs> he's going to mess you up, right? Uh, America just hasn't learned her lesson. We, re we really haven't. Uh, also, all of these guys belong in prison. That's the quote. CIA torture described in vivid detail by psychologist. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Propaganda builds. Uh, New York's fifth wave of COVID is here. Isn't that nice? They just can't let the convids go, can they? They're just going to keep pushing it. Yeah, they give you a breather here and there, and then they come back with more. And I told you, I said, watch out. Over the next few months, they're going to start implementing more junk on you through the lies that they've conveyed, and people believe it. Welcome to Biden's ominous, unconstitutional disinformation governance board. Yeah, they're still trying to push that through. I think there's some guys who are actually fighting against it, but... Um, yeah, who knows? Most of those guys do it to save face rather than actually bring justice. So we'll see what happens with that. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Democrats were founded by racists, and their real intent is to exterminate the African-American population. Now, I don't like the title there. That's our friend Dean Garrison. You're either American or you're not. I don't say I'm a Scottish-American because my history is Scottish. I don't do that. You're either American or you're not. But there is definitely a targeting of minorities. There's no question of that from Planned Parenthood and other abortion baby mill murders. Um, and that's been going on for decades. And we've got the quotes to prove that. Also, SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, peer-reviewed MIT study finds significant association between COVID shot and, the ca and cardiac arrest. They're trying to make those things normal now. Even for kids and teens, they're trying to say cardiac arrest Blood clots and all these kinds of things are normal. They're not. What needs to be normal is bringing justice against these people who are who are lying to the people, who are deceiving them about the shots, about the convids themselves, and all of this. And we need to bring justice on them. We'll put a stop to it real quick if we start doing that. Okay. Also, scientists, mRNA, 
injections will continue killing people. Yeah, they're, they're going to do it. Why? Because the bad guys haven't been stopped. And we're seeing Bill Gates emboldened more and more to do more and more stuff that he wants to do to be tyrannical. And he's, he isn't even an elected uh, representative, let alone a doctor. And he's not a farmer either, but he's buying up farmland, uh, all this kind of stuff. And if we would just bring justice the way the Bible says that we should do, we'd be a lot better off for it. We really would. All right. So this is Saturday. It's our health and wellness show. And as always, we have with us uh, our nurse and nutritionist, Kate Shimrani, and she's got a guest on that I'm going to let her introduce to you. Now, if you were listening to the pre-show music, the pre-show music is uh, sang by our guest. So if you enjoyed that, I'm going to have um, her video up and she's got other videos, uh, music videos up uh, that you can hear as well. But uh, Kate and Nikita, good morning. Good to see you guys. Hi, Tim. good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Tim, before we get, before we get going, can sure. I just give a shout out because at 2 p.m., Tommy Robinson will be in Telford leading the march for the next screening of The Rape of Britain. And it's about the rape of our young girls that's going on and councils and police are turning a blind eye to it. And this man has worked tirelessly. So there are thousands heading there. Uh, so the that's next, next hour, right? Yeah, that's 2 p.m. He's okay. going to be meeting everyone um, at, the, at Telford train station where he will lead the march to the place for the screening. There's a lot of people go to that. Thousands and thousands. And it's the rape of Britain. So good for them. And the next thing is justice for the jabbed. Um, this is the, has been sent to me today um, from uh, Courtney Adam Lawrence, who I've, I've interviewed a few times. And he lives on the Isle of Man. Very, very well-known guy and author. He's been arrested so many times. And he's a good friend of Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Professor Dolores Cahill, and has been for years because he's been anti-vax for years. And every single Saturday in August, um, they will be holding events in Douglas on the Isle of Man, the police are aware, and it's this justice uh, for the jabbed. So that's every event. So if you're on the Isle of Man or you're going there to Douglas, please do join them from 2 p.m. every Saturday through August. So with all that said, um, a very beautiful young lady um, in front of me who I, I have enormous respect for. She's very talented as well. Um, but um, before we get into it, I'm just going to give a few minutes here. Pregnancy has been made into a medical condition, and it's simply not true. It's how we all got here. And if you look back through history, in, even in America, um, it's quite interesting where all of a sudden, I think it was called um, uh, something about uh, the curse of Eve. They didn't want women to feel pain during childbirth. I've had four children, two of them um, the right way, one, um, other two were cesarean, and I had one upstairs on my bedroom carpet with no pain control. You do forget the pain because you're left with this baby. It's a different kind of pain. And I, I think it's wrong for people to keep calling it pain. Um, so what they did in America, uh, they wanted the women to be in hospitals and pain-free, and that led to episiotomies. It led to traumatic forceps deliveries, the women were knocked out. Now then with the in came the 60s and then the hippies and they had this hippie caravan of untrained midwives that used a book and went from state to state and delivered babies. And they also teamed up, I think the guy's name was Goff, a psychiatrist, and they actually stated, and, and he said this was indeed correct and did lots of studies on it, that when a woman has a traumatic birth, um, it affects her psychologically, mentally, spiritually, and the child. And these uh, midwives were then, um, they were very much held in high esteem. 
and they thought they were wonderful, but they they discounted all the black midwife grannies, they were called, and they discounted them and said they were dirty and untrained, but actually they'd been doing it for years and years. So there was a little bit of racism there. And then with the, the um, advent of modern midwifery, you saw a lot of midwives going down, you know, the trained allopathic midwives going down to uh, countries, third world countries and practicing their skills so that they could learn from terrible outcomes and come back and practice safer here, which is shocking, really. Well, what we've actually seen now is, you know, this going into hospital and it's a medical condition. And I have spoke to many midwives and they don't even know, you know, about nutrition that they should have these women should have like the fact that how much vitamin c is used up in the last trimester of birth and if you don't have enough vitamin c your baby will be jaundiced but they don't know that and um so so what we now have is that you know the mom's swabbed the baby's swabbed we've seen babies taken away from their mothers women are afraid to go into hospitals and let's not forget as well blood transfusions with blood from patients who have been injected with this experimental, untested, unlicensed, uninsured bioweapon. Uh, and we know that spike proteins have been found at 17 months in the lymph nodes at autopsy. So there are a lot of people now seeking at once more to have babies the way they should. And people like this amazing woman, who I'm going to now hand over to before I just read one little bit of scripture, is doing this. So just one little bit here. I just want to read this. It's from Genesis uh, 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Yeah, amen. How, how, how true is that today? So by the grace of God, I was introduced to this very beautiful and talented, and I don't just mean talented musically, I mean, talented, she's young when you start talking to her. She's definitely been here before or the Lord speaking to her. Um, she's told me some amazing stories and a really sad story. The beautiful Nikita from When Push Comes to Shove. Hi, how are you? <laughs> uh, we're good. We're good. And she was very chipper, I must say, when uh, you know I logged in. She was just ready to go there, uh, face beaming and everything. I want to add to that. And then, Nikita, I want you to, to kind of share with us some of your experiences there that you've done for the people. I'll have the video up because um, we leave the clock up on the other. But you'll see all these great home looks like home births. As far as I'm concerned, uh, you can elaborate on that. But it looks like a lot of different home births and the way moms are having their babies going back to traditional means. But if I can add on just a little bit here for what Kate's saying, and then Nikita, I'm going to turn it over to you. You know, the Bible right from the beginning, uh, God made man and woman. You know, we used to have in my in my age, we had Wonder Woman. Now we have people wondering if they are a woman or not. Uh, but it's very clear. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he, he him male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And one of the interesting things is, is God never rescinded that. He, he never took that away. Even when Christ came and died upon the cross and was buried and rose again and ascended back to the Father, he never took away that. It, that's the way we, that's the way we produce. This is why the perversions of the man woman institute of marriage and have bearing children is still in effect. We are procreating, 
and and yet we go a couple of chapters over where um, Adam and Eve fall, and what do we read there? Well, we read a promise of God's going to send a Savior. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman. He's talking to the serpent, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou and thou shalt bruise his heel. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall deliver thee. So there's all kinds of problems that came through the fall. You know, the woman wants to be the head, and the, the man wants to be Mr. Milktoast under her, and she's going to have some some pain in childbearing but it's like what kate was saying i've watched my wife go through tremendous pain no medication any of this kind of stuff and as soon as it's over it's like that wasn't even going on a minute before but nikita i'm going to let you go ahead and and uh, elaborate on that because i can just speak from my family uh and what we've seen but you've you've seen it with a lot of women that you've dealt with um first of all childbirth doesn't have to be painful even without pain relief my last baby, I, had, I experienced no pain. It was hard work. That's why it's called labor. Um, I see women who have orgasms during childbirth. Um, I miss out. There. Uh, there's wow. a fantastic, yeah, there's a fantastic <laughs> um, documentary called Orgasmic Birth. You should watch it. It's definitely a thing because childbirth and, well, creation of babies and birth of babies are very similar. You produce an outstanding amount of oxytocin. Um, which is what you release when you have sex and, and, and when you give birth, it's very similar. And where people get it wrong, right, imagine this, imagine you're making love and everything's beautiful. And then some idiot walks in, turns on the light, starts shining a light in your eye and asking you for your social security number, your national insurance number. And then says, oh, I'm just going to take your temperature. I'm just going to do it. You wouldn't be able to get back into that beautiful state. The same happens in childbirth. You're interrupted constantly. How can your oxytocin flow? And oxytocin is a very shy hormone. How can it flow correctly? If you can hear other women giving birth, if there are bright lights, feelings are being observed, strangers, people prodding at you, that is not conducive to a natural birth. That is conducive to creating so much adrenaline, which will subsequently stop your oxytocin from flowing. And people wonder why they fail to progress. Wow. I, wow. <laughs> I mean, I've learned, like look, I've learned a lot as dad, okay? <laughs> I haven't even been through all that, but I've watched it, and I can tell you that having the children at home, my wife, not only before the birth, didn't experience as much pain as the other, and the birth actually happened faster uh, mm-hmm. than in the hospital, but afterwards, the just... Everything she was up and on her feet like within twenty four hours, whereas going to the hospital and have them, it might be a couple of days, and you know they don't let you rest and this that and the other. But that's fascinating. I, I've never heard uh, those things come about uh, in the way that you said. But you say you had no pain giving giving birth to, to ch- your children. No, well, my first I did, but I had a very medicalized birth. But I was oh, okay. only twenty one. I was very naive, and I went through the conveyor belt system, and it was the most traumatic thing I've ever experienced. And I, I thought, how how do people do this? And I spoke to my grandmother. She's a very wise Indian woman. And I told her about my experience. I went, oh, it seems normal that people do this. And she went, no, 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 no. It's not normal. It's common. You can't confuse the two. Childbirth has become medicalized. That's what causes the stress and the trauma and the pain. If you're in your head, it's not going to work. When you're in labor, you need to be the epitome of a human being, not a human doing. You just need to be in the present moment. Like, 
watch what animals do. They're not thinking a few seconds in the future or a few th- seconds in the past because the past and the future only exist in your head. You just need to be. And when you let go, your oxytocin will run rampant around your body. And all that beautiful oxygenated blood will run to your uterus to facilitate labor. But what happens if you have adrenaline? Our bodies do this for a reason. Okay, if go back a couple of thousand years ago, and if you're on the tundra and you see danger, you release adrenaline. Adrenaline says, ah, it's not safe to give birth. Stop the oxytocin. And all the oxygenated blood you need for your uterus will run to your arms and legs ready to fight or fly. That's how it works. It's really basic. But because we've overcomplicated it and we have made a blanket rule that birth is medical when really only a very, very tiny percentage of women will actually need medical intervention. You're completely destroying the process, a physiological process. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever taught you throughout your life how to, how to throw up, how to vomit? Nope. But then why? <laughs> Our bodies will do this perfectly well. If we they were in a do, coma. Out for it. <laughs> if you were it in a coma, your, your mind need no input. It will just happen. It's a physiological process. You're not thinking at seven weeks pregnant, oh my God, I've got to grow the kidneys. How do I do that? You don't think about it. I mean, don't ever think people give themselves too much credit. Your mind doesn't really need to be involved. Just let it happen. But the thing is, if women aren't educated, when, and more importantly, children, if children fear birth and they're taught that it's the world's worst medical disaster, they're going to grow up to fear it. They're not going to be empowered and educated. They're going to hand it over, which is what women do. But the bizarre thing is more people do research into a wedding and buying a car than what happens to their body when they give birth. Now, I'm not judging them for that because I understand why that happens, because you hand it over. There's a fantastic Monty Python sketch where there's a woman in labor. She goes, what do I do? Nothing, dear. You're not qualified. Can I have the machine that goes beep? You know, (laughs) demonstrates it perfectly, right? But I understand why women want to give over their birth. They want to be indemnified. They don't want to have that responsibility. But if if only they knew taking responsibility is the most empowering thing you can do. And it's like, well, what do I want to do with my body? I have absolutely no interest in telling anyone how to give birth. Yes, I favor natural home birth. That's for me. And I just want to empower women. If after all the information that you've got in front of you, if you've come to us for, for education and you still want to go and have a plan C section, awesome. That's empowerment. And that's the difference between trauma and not trauma. If you make the choices all the way and it comes from an informed place, you're going to have a beautiful experience. You don't, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what your doctors or your midwives think. What do you think? What do you want to do? So when women are being terrified into having an induction because they got a big baby, all this rubbish, Where's that coming from? Did you know obstetrics is the lowest evidence-based medicine there is? There is. So in... And the rest isn't that evidence-based, let me tell you. I know. I think it was uh, 2015, but please don't quote me on that. I don't want to get it wrong. There was a study done and they looked at obstetrics and they measured the, how decent the evidence was based on category A to E. And they only found... 8% 8% of obstetrics is um, evidence-based on category A. So, and even then you could look into it more and think, well, was this study done in the 40s? 
was this study done before the medical advancements here? And here's the other myth. Oh, you know, what if something bad happens? Women used to die in childbirth. Yeah. Look at where and why. There's a great book called um, Childbirth Wisdom from the World's Oldest Societies by Judith Goldsmith. And what she found was, yes, there are problems in childbirth, even now where there's poverty. Because look at it like this. If you are living in an overcrowded environment where infection spreads and you're malnourished, yeah, you're going to have problems. But if you're not in those categories and you are healthy and you have nourished your body, cannot stress this enough, it all comes down to nutrition. You've got to look after your body to have a healthy birth. Like people get diagnosed all the time with gestational diabetes and preeclampsia. Why is no one telling them to go on the brewer's diet? That will fix it in a week. But no, and they tell you not to eat liver because you'll have vitamin A overdose. Well, let me tell you, unless you're eating liver from a polar bear, you <laughs> wouldn't worry about it. It's got all the vitamins you need in there. But here, again, I'm not telling on how to, how to eat, what to eat, how to give birth, where to give birth. It's about what do you want? My message is empowerment. And let me tell you this, peace on earth begins at birth. I can't stress that enough. If we get this right and you've got empowered women holding up their baby like a Lion King Simba moment, I did it. Do you think that woman's going to acquiesce to other things in life? Do you think maybe she's going to go, right, I have a few questions about this because everyone was telling me that birth was dangerous and I was making a stupid decision, yet here I am with a healthy baby. But what happens is people think birth is a medical procedure that occasionally happens naturally if you're lucky. No, no, it's systemic practice. It's, it's not the well-meaning individuals in the system, let me tell you, because I know some beautiful, wonderful midwives and obstetricians. It's the system that's the beast. They've got to adhere to these guidelines. They can't practice autonomously. That's why I started when push comes to shove. We really need it. We need autonomous practice. We need, I can't tell you the difference when you walk into a woman's house and you go, right, what do you want? And they go, oh, what, you're not telling me what to do? No, what do you want? I'm not here to take over anyone's birth or tell them what to do. I'll tell them what they want and I give them evidence. Like, let's say, for example, meconium when baby has a poo. Well, this is the risk of meconium aspiration syndrome, which is what they worry about. These are the percentages. What do you want to do? I'm transferring? Do you want to stay at home? And we talk about it a lot in the antenatal period, obviously, because you can't bombard a woman with information in labor because that's not conducive to right. a good birth. Either. Yep. So, and then we say, well, what do you want to do? And if they're willing to take responsibility for their birth, I mean, the likelihood is she's going to have a fantastic time anyway. Women, I can't remember the last time I saw a woman not enjoying her birth and loving it. I can't remember the last time someone asked me for pain relief. It never happens at home birth. And if anything, they just ask for a bit of gas and air or Entonox, as it's technically called. But I loved, I loved my home birth. It was amazing. Yeah. My fourth child, it was incredible. Yeah. I was literally on my own. I was holding her head in my hands when the midwives arrived. Well, that worked beautifully too, because what I always say to women when they say, who should I have at my birth? I'm like, well, who do you feel comfortable going for a poo? Myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's very you, sacred and personal. You know, you, know? You, you, you say that about the women, but I can tell you just from the dad experience, um, with ours happening right in the room adjacent to where I'm at, uh, not only did delivery happen very quickly, you know, you get to that, you have that stage of labor, right? Where it's the, the kid's just kind of moving down there and he's doing what he's doing, getting ready to come out. But then sometimes you have the delivery process and sometimes that may take several pushes for some women and, and others not. And I can remember that they happened very, very quickly. 
uh, hard, you know, one or two pushes and, you know, kids are out. And of course, some people say that happens the more you have. But the thing that I saw that was great was not only, um, you know, mom and baby not being prodded and everything after and all this stuff, but we could get up and, and all of ours we had at home happen in the middle of the night, like two or three in the morning. And we go get all the other kids after, you know, everybody's cleaned up and covered up there a little bit. And we bring all the other kids in there and they could all get in the bed with mom and baby. And we would read Psalm 127 and 128 to, you know, to the baby. For, those are the first words all of our kids have heard. And the kids are able to interact. So it's not just a thing for mom. I would say for the entire family who, who exists at that time, it's a really beneficial and pleasant thing of knitting together the family more. This is a, this is a very important moment where God is given another life and we're going to celebrate that by being able to, you know, touch and coo and all this, you know, all the little baby stuff that you do. Uh, I think it's a great thing for families too. Oh my gosh, of course. It's such a bonding connection. It's, it's, it's wonderful. And every time I'm invited to a birth, I'm still in awe. I still can't believe it. It's the biggest honor that I have been invited to watch a soul come into this world. I mean, it's incredible. Women have yep. put a portal between their legs. How amazing is that? And then yeah. this little baby is born. Bam, they're online. They open their eyes. And I always say to them, happy birthday. You are safe. You are loved. You are wise. That's ah, how I welcome my baby into the world. And um, I don't like to touch the babies. I, I would rather mum catch them because um, the microbiome they have to have mum's microbiome but you know obviously mum sometimes their their brain doesn't really catch up with what's happening with their body I was at a birth a few weeks ago I said you're gonna catch your baby because the baby arrived 10 minutes after I arrived and she was like <sighs> so I'm like here you go here's your baby and she was like oh my gosh oh my gosh it was amazing absolutely beautiful and Tim just going back to what you were saying a minute ago when the babies come out quickly that's called the fetal ejection reflex if the baby is in a very very good position which is usually LOA, which means like um, their back's kind of facing your left and the head, head is down. It's, it's what's called the fetal ejection reflex. You don't need to physically push. The baby will just come out. God has designed the body perfectly well. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the, the pelvis of a woman of 2022. Let me guarantee you that. Listen, I'm not going to say that every single person is going to have a beautiful birth. And I can't guarantee that because there are a very small percentage of women who will genuinely need medical help. And we that's a blessing that we have that, right? That we have obstetricians who can perform cesarean sections. But th there are three main reasons women need help. One is because the over-medicalization of birth, which is actually a domino effect. This is why birth goes wrong. Because you start interfering and it's just going to be a cascade of intervention. So that is the most common reason. Two is poverty, malnourishment. And three is there's a genuine medical concern, a, a very rare medical concern. But those, in my experience, are three most common reasons why birth goes wrong in adverted commas. Yeah, Nikita, um, now you and I were talking before the show. We we're talking about some issues that I was explaining to you, you know, even in my own family. What 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 is some maybe some advice you would give to women who how shall we put this they don't have a lot of hip action going on when they're pregnant they're very slim and would you say that over time as they as they as their pregnancy progresses those things begin to change do they not I mean my wife didn't have like a lot of hip but she had hips un, unlike who I'm talking about 
And do you think that 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 happens? I tend to think that that's what goes on, that the body does what it does, just like what you said, God has designed it to do those things. And the woman's pelvis area, the, the hips and all start to form more as her pregnancy progresses. Is that not true? They don't form more, but they accommodate. So let me ask you this question. What do Shetland ponies give birth to? Yep, the Shetland ponies, yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your baby's not going to outgrow you. <laughs> As I said to Tim earlier, it's not a, it's not a goldfish in a bathtub. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. And if anyone tells you otherwise, they don't understand physiology. So uh, when you're pregnant, you release a, a hormone called relaxin, and uh, it starts to move all your ligaments and your joints um, ready to accommodate for the baby to come through down the birth canal. And here's a secret not many people know. Don't give birth on your back because it decreases your pelvic outlet by 30%. And women wonder why they end up with episiotomies and a, a von Tussa or forceps delivery. So baby can't get out. You're meant to stand up or squat to give birth. Um, if you watch a woman in labor naturally without any interference, she just does it anyway. Unless she's, of course, very, very tired, but then they tend to lay on their side and put their leg up. But it doesn't, it doesn't change as such. It's just the body accommodates. Um, you're not going to suddenly have like huge hips if you're skinny when you become pregnant, but your body does exactly what it's meant to do. I've, I've heard obstetricians say the most ridiculous things. Your perineum's too tight. You can't have a baby vaginally. What? Like, they just don't understand physiological birth. I, I trained doctors. At first, I had major imposter syndrome. I thought, oh, my God, how can I teach obstetricians? But then when I started teaching, I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know any of this. They don't understand. D doctors are trained for when things go wrong. How on earth can they assist in a physiological process? They don't understand it. I had an obstetrician once at a birth, like, knocking on the door. Can I watch this water birth? No, 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 no. It's, it's not cinema. You're not here for viewing. <laughs> Bog off. <laughs> Get on with it. <laughs> so, and they were like, how can the baby be born in water? I'm like, the baby's in water right now. <laughs> it's in amniotic fluid. They don't breathe through their mouth. They breathe through the umbilical cord. And then people go, oh, well, I get natural birth, but my baby was born with a cord around its neck. Yep. A lot are one in three are born with the cord wrapped around their neck and it's fine. You know why? Because the cord is covered in something called Wharton's jelly and it protects the oxygen flow. Unless the cord is wrapped around like five times and it's got all the knots in it, the chances are your baby's fine. You just unwrap the cord. It's not a big drama, but they teach you it is. Or you're overdue. You've got to have an induction. You've got to have a C-section. Why? Oh, that <laughs> one, that one is that one is really problematic because we had that with a couple where they wanted to induce and uh, I know in my oldest son, they said, oh, well, he's not going to grow anymore. And you're like, well, how do you know this? We need to have an, we need to induce this that, and the other. And then when, when he's born, they go, oh, wait a minute. He's a month early because they were doing his footprints and stuff. And they said, these things aren't developed here where they would normally be developed. So he's like a month early. And right then and there, that, I mean, we were already questioning things. He was our second child. But after that, it just became more and more apparent. And I was just like, yeah. What do you think, honey? Let's let's have them at home. Let's talk to a midwife. And I got to tell you, the midwife is one who connects with your wife. If you've got a good one, she really connects. Like what you said, she said, what are you thinking about this? She wants to get in the frame of mind they are. She, If you have children, she would bring them over. Let them hear the baby's heartbeat. Have all this stuff. My oldest daughter uh, actually was in the room when our last child, uh, our youngest boy, was born. And she, the midwife actually let her do the delivery. 
And uh, she has in her head now that she'd like to be a part of doing some of that stuff. So she's been she's been going to school and stuff. I said, well, you probably should apprentice somebody like Kate or something <laughs> rather than go to the school. But nevertheless, you know, it's a great experience there for them to do that. And I I really hope many women will consider that more for their own benefit and for the benefits of their family uh, over going to the you know hospitals, as Kate calls them. Well, this is what I do. I train people to do what I do. Um, so I, every few months I put on a course to, so people can learn to become a natural birth practitioner and I mentor them over time and it's been wildly successful. I've had midwives, doctors, people who've never had any experience come and train with me and they're loving it and that they love what they learn and they real, they are seeing real birth and they're like, I just didn't think it could be this beautiful and it is. But let me just tell you a very typical birth scenario, what happens in the mainstream maternity system. So Tim, you mentioned about induction. I bet your baby was born covered in vernix, which is that white waxy stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely early then. Um, <clears throat> I do that a lot. So first of all, the term 40 weeks was coined by a German physician in the 1800s, and he was basing, basing his calculations on the lunar calendar. And we still use it, um, which is horrific. But women can go to 44 weeks. It's normal for them in their family, but they never let you. So a typical scenario is, oh, 41 weeks, you're overdue. What the hell's overdue? And they take you in and they use, well, nine times out of ten, you'll end up with something called syntocin. And in, in America, you call it pitocin. And then what happens is it, they blast your uterus with this synthetic form of oxytocin. And it doesn't work like natural oxytocin. It doesn't go to your brain. Well, no, you don't get that lovely birth bubble. It just blasts you with this strong medication and you get very thick and fast, painful contractions. You don't really have a rest. They're, they're closer together. They're stronger, harder. So you ask for an epidural. The epidural goes in, you are it on your back. You can't use gravity to help you birth your baby. But because of the epidural, you're not feeling the extra blast of the syntocin and all the pitocin, but the epidural slows it down. So then they up the synto and then so it goes on. Then, because of the extra pressure on the uterus, because of all this syntocin on, it's compromising oxygen flow to the placenta. And then Kelsoprees, baby goes into distress. And they give you an emergency cesarean section. And they want you to thank them for delivering a safe baby for a procedure that they started in the first place. Wow. It's a, it, this sounds just like the, the whole convids thing. They're doing it. We're finding out they have blood clots. Oh, wait a minute. We have this uh, blood thinner. We'll sell you too. It's the whole thing of every medical problem is to give you a shot or a pill, which will then affect your body some other way. And they have to give you another shot or pill that they develop and then another one. And before you know it, you know, you, we have a lot of, of people, seniors, uh, mature how did how did you say that, Kate? Vintage people in our society. Oh, yeah, I don't like to say geriatric. <laughs> I like vintage. Yeah, vintage. <laughs> so, well, we have those, and many of them are are stuck with thirty prescriptions. The same thing's happening there when they're talking about delivering babies, too. It seems. You know what's really scary as Nikita's talking. We all know that they're talking, in fact, on uh, dreaded Netflix. There's a program now called um, It's a Sin. And it's about the AIDS in the 80s in the UK. And it's all these gay guys and they're really promiscuous and how they're getting AIDS. Now, we know that this um, injection, they're saying it's going to, it's going to be um, causing AIDS type illness. And we know that Moderna is coming up with an injection, a multi-injection, lots of them for AIDS. So we're going to be back in this scenario where they're going to be testing babies again when they're born. 
And if you, I'm sure Nikita's far too young and beautiful to remember the 80s, but babies were removed from their mothers. They were taken off their mothers because the mothers were positive. And um, I do believe that we're going to start seeing a kind of rerun of this, and it's going to be truly horrific. Well, Nikita, let me ask you that about what Kate said, because every time we were in the hospital, you know, once once baby's delivered, mom gets to hold him a little bit, maybe feed him or something, and then they take him away and stick him in another room with, you know, nurses watching over 5, 10, 15, 20 babies or whatever. Those things can't, I mean, they, they can't be good for the baby when they need that bonding with mom, can they? It's inexcusable. Mm, it's it, disgusting. I uh, hate it. I, I literally, I, I can't get my head around that. <clears throat> so when a baby's born, um, your birth doesn't end there. You, you have the golden hour and, and very, very importantly, you need to deliver your placenta. And in, like, in short, this is how it works on a physiological process. Baby goes to mum's tummy. Uh, as soon as baby's born, then the baby will do something really quite miraculous. It will do something called the birth crawl. So it will start to crawl up the mum's tummy. Yes, crawl at, at day dot. And it will start to use the rooting reflex to find mum's breast. It will start going like that. What this does, their feet pressing on mum's tummy, that starts to push down the placenta. The rooting reflex and, and latching on, that will start more oxytocin to start your contractions again so you can birth your placenta safely. If this is interrupted, and they always worry about, oh, postpartum hemorrhage. Well, yeah, yeah, that happens a lot if you come in and turn the lights on and start shouting at a woman, and she can't have an, a, an hour to herself and her baby. And they put bloody hats on these babies. No hatting, no patting, no chatting, right? You put a hat on a baby, <laughs> you're, you're, going to, you're going to block. That's a huge block. You need to smell your baby. We're animals. We need to smell our babies and the babies need to smell us to start a physiological process. But they put a hat on the baby, start prodding, poking around, talk, 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 talk. No, shush, shut up, leave mum and baby alone and let them bond. Then you wait for that cord to go white. If at all, you don't cut it at all. If, if mum doesn't want it, it's called a lotus birth. You wait for that cord to go white. If you cut that cord before it goes white, the baby's going to lose a third of its blood supply. A third. Wow. So you cut that cord when it goes white, then you leave mum to bond with that baby. You, unless there's like a high tear or a varicose vein that's burst or something, you're not going to see bleeding and all this dramatic stuff. And if you do, you cut a bit of their placenta off and put it in their mouth. That'll stop bleeding. So what I, what's what I do and always have. Works beautifully. Don't need all these stupid injections. Wait a minute. Explain that. Explain that last part there. Is somebody's bleed if the one if the woman's bleeding, you take off a piece of the placenta and give it to her? Yeah, yeah cut about an inch off, stick it in her cheek, it'll stop the bleeding. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> how does that work? Tell yeah, how, how does works. that work? Tell us. It's basically like a blood so you've got all these amazing cells within the placenta, um, and all these stem cells and everything like that. It's basically works as a natural, how would you say, like a blood transfusion, I suppose. You're you're getting all that nourishment from the placenta, they stick it in their cheek. There's another thing you can do. You get a liter jug, you fill it full of dark grape juice, and you get a raw egg and you blend it up. 99% of our blood component, components are mimicked in dark grape juice, and 1% that isn't is in a raw egg. It works as a natural blood transfusion. You drink it over a couple of hours, it will stop the bleeding. Now, this is, now let me make this very clear. This is not evidence-based, I'm quoting. This is, this is anecdotal. It's anecdotal. Let me just back you up. Yeah. It's anecdotal. Yeah. 
But when does um, all of this about evidence-based science, we know that science has bastardized and we know that you could have thousands, as Dr. Gerson did with cancer patients, thousands and thousands that have survived using his therapy. But because they haven't done a randomized double blind trial, it's not science and they won't use it. But how many people do you want it to work for before you say it's not anecdotal anymore? It's actual. There it is. But, you know. And I, this is my favorite guest ever. I'm having to say, Tim, I'm sitting on like this. It's great. <laughs> well, it does work about 95% of the time, unless, you know, if it's uterine bleeding, it usually works. Not all the time because they might have a high tear or something like that. And even with tearing, um, I offer women, instead of going to get sutured, I said, well, would you like to use some dulce seaweed instead? So you just put some dry seaweed where the tear is, keep your legs closed and in 48 hours it's healed. And that's interesting because women that have episiotomies and they have it sutured, they often then get a lot of scar tissue there. And then it, they have problems with sexual intercourse. They have pain um, and because of that scar tissue. Then they, um, they go off to their doctors and they give them silver nitrate to put on them, which is like, you know, put, putting that on your perineum when you've already, you know, had a baby and you've had sutures. So these things are never good. And, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree, Nikita, um, often episiotomies, they're because, like you said, the women are not birthed in the right position and they don't let the perineum, when it starts to go really thin, when, the, when it starts to stretch, you don't get any pain anyway, because as it stretches, all the nerve endings, they stretch and they, you don't feel pain. It oh, really yeah. Incredible. I, it's incredible. I was waiting for that ring of fire with my second. Yeah, the ring of fire. It never came, and I was like, I could. I put my hand down. I was like, Oh, her head's there. I wasn't expecting to feel that because I was waiting for the ring sting in the UK. The ring <laughs> sting, yeah, never got it with that one. Um, but you know, as well, coach pushing. I hate this. That doesn't help. That causes tearing. So, okay, imagine right, you're you're throwing up. Do you need any encouragement to do that? Throw up, throw up. Your body <laughs> just does it, right? So, how irritating is it to have some woman standing there going, push, push. No, stop pushing, um, stop pushing. Hands in between. Yeah. Hands in between. Yeah. What about counting your contractions? Someone's standing there with a clock. That's the other thing. Yeah, that, that you don't come to the hospital for their X amount of minutes apart. Yeah, you know. Cortex and ruin birth, isn't it? Yeah, you know, ladies, one of the things, and we were talking about this progressive thing of where they're, the, the, the medical guys are, you know, selling you something as it's going along. And the episiotomy was one of the first things that I saw. And I was like, what are you doing? Well, if we do this, it will prevent the tear and the tear is worse to put together than if we just do this and that and the other. And I got to tell you, I, and then they charge you for it, a lot of money. And I think everything is on there and they're charging you as the father, they're charging you to give your wife more problems and more pain in in the process of having a child. This was the difference I saw between going to the doctor for nine months and then paying the doctor again to deliver at the at the uh, at the hospital versus you had one lump sum that you paid, which was significantly less than a hospital and a doctor, and you had a woman who was befriending your wife. And so your wife could call her. She came and she would spend an hour, hour and a half with my wife. Uh, telling her, a answering her questions, telling her certain teas that she could take, uh, certain things uh, that I'm not going to elaborate on as far as making that area more elastic. <laughs> I don't know. Some of those things that she would talk about. 
And my wife really appreciated the fact that she was befriending her. It wasn't just, hey, I'm getting paid to come here and do this, but I'm your friend too. And then the more children we had and she was a part of, it was almost like it's the natural thing to call Damaris and have her come over here and uh, you know take care of things. And then the great thing afterwards was she would make sure that mom and baby are comfortable in bed, you know, give them time and space themselves. And then she would say, you need to eat something. So she would go in here into the kitchen and she would make some eggs or some toast or whatever. And then she would bring it to her and, you know, say, you need to eat this and then rest. And that's basically what they did. They had the whole room to themselves. And for those women who have been in the hospital where they come in every couple of hours and they're sticking something in your mouth or something in your arm or something like that, you got to understand this was this was revolutionary for our family. That's that's why I tell people I saw what my wife went through before, you know, delivery and after and even during and nine times I mean 10 out of 10 my wife would say I'd rather have them at home any day over going to the hospital. Yeah, for sure. Um I mean it's it's conducive to a peaceful birth if you're at home. You know, if you, if you don't feel, the, the number one rule is when you close your eyes and imagine your birth, where do you feel safe? If, if, if the word, if the answer is hospital, that's where you should go. Because if you feel fearful or anyone in the room is fearful for that matter, you have no idea what that will do to change a woman's birthing experience. Because mm. even if you've got a fearful midwife there and they don't want to be there, it's going to change the birth experience. You've got to make, you've got to really choose your, your birth partners carefully. And don't just go for a convenient local one. You find one that you, you vibe with and you connect with, you know. And, you know, the, the midwives and the birth keepers that attend, they are the epitome of with women. They're not with system. You've got to be with women. And, you, and if you have con continuity of care, you are significantly more likely to have a positive outcome during birth. But, it, you know, it's about education. If Sometimes I feel I'm banging my head against a brick wall, but I'm not here to change anyone's mind. I'm really not. I'm here to say, well, what do you want to do, darling? You know, what, what, what is your opinion? What, what feels safe for you? When you close your eyes, what do you feel? What birth experience do you see? If it's in the hospital, do it. But if you think, no, I'm not. I'm going to do this at home. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. I feel I can trust in my body. Then do that all about choice but how the hell can people make a choice if they don't know they've got options well yeah and i think that's i think that's the thing is to keep those options back much like what we've seen with the um uh the whole convids thing where we've we've seen people have options to deal with certain sicknesses taken away from them and some of them they didn't even know i mean you know i was sharing with kate about chlorine dioxide she didn't know about that now she's gung-ho doing her bucket science Ooh, and stuff. I have got strips to test it so I know <laughs> how many parts per million. Yeah. Just to say here, um, Nikita's going to be, um, she will be training the, the British Nursing Alliance nurses who want to, well, hopefully they hopefully will want to um, learn it because we had our first course this week, Dietary Healing, what a response. Incredible what they're learning. Uh, one actually said it, it's beyond what she learned at master's level nursing. These are real nurses. And they need to be able to do everything. And this is what they need to be able to do. And I can't think of anyone who would be better to train them than Nikita. And I'm hopefully going to go with her. It'll be a long time since I've seen some babies delivered, but I'm going to go and um, train with her. Absolutely. I think that's awesome.
and yeah. anyone can do it worldwide. I, I mean, obviously, I live in the UK, but um, last week I trained a lady in Utah, a lady in California. And the good thing about my course, it's uploaded to a course area. So if you miss a bit, you just come back and watch it and you've got it for a lifetime. And you get unlimited mentorship. Well, it's unlimited. You're with when push comes to shove. You're in the tribe. You're in the family. You just join our network of doulas and midwives. And you're like, hey, got any advice or want to hook up to do some shared care? You do five births under our supervision. And then we teach you, we teach you marketing. We teach you the money is love model, divine compensation. It's so much more than birth. It's about how to grow as a person. Because how can you save space for a woman if you're not at the best level you can be? And if you're not vibrating on a really high level. I sound like an utter hippie, and I probably am, but I'm just talking sense. <laughs> So well, uh, Nikita, I sound like that not a hippie as well then and I'm cool with that <laughs> Nikita if if people if people wanted to learn from you what you do there in that what would where would they go or how would they get in touch with you for that when push comes to shove.co.uk and on my main page we've got links to all my social media and I would um, specifically recommend telegram we've got about 5,000 people on the channel now all like-minded beautiful souls um, all connecting together so you can either train with me if you want to do what I do, or if you're a parent to be, or you're not yet a parent. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, you have to close that. <laughs> you got to sign up to my guide. <laughs> if you're just press close, if you're a parent and um, you want to learn more about physiological birth, we have the childbirth preparation masterclass, and it's it's ninety minutes video altogether, and you get like infographics and birth videos. Then if you want more bespoke care after that contact me and i can do one-to-ones with you because everyone's got a different situation and not one size fits all so come and talk to me talk to the community follow me on instagram i give out loads of information all the time i've got a youtube channel putting up tips not everyone likes me but hey <laughs> i think i'm a bit shadow banned on youtube but hey. welcome to the club <laughs> yeah. well you know one of the one of the things i'll, I'll, I'll drop here is uh, something that you know we go back to the creator and what he has said, and, you know, we go over into the book of Malachi, chapter 2, and here's what, here's what we read. And he did not make one, talking about the covenant. He says, yet he had, yet had he the residue of the spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed, therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. And one of the things is, is that God has, has designed us to procreate. He made us male and female. He didn't make us 52 genders or something, and we produce after our own kind. And uh, so I want to say thank you, Nikita, for coming on. Kate, thank you for having her on there. And uh, if you guys will hang on, I'll say goodbye to you after uh, I close out the show here. Uh, guys, if you want to catch Bradley at 3 today, two hours, all right? Catch him at 3 p.m., sonsoflibertymedia.com. Have a great Lord's Day and a great weekend, and we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. on Monday. See ya.